they will serve their purpose and then that purpose will be over. There are only two institutions that God created. And those two are the church and the family. Jesus declared, on this rock, I will build my church. And the church of Jesus Christ will endure as long as this world exists and then into eternity as we continue on as the people of God. And the other institution created by God and God alone is the family. The most important of all human relationships. From the beginning of the book of Genesis throughout the Bible, the family is a divinely ordained institution. In fact, the family, the idea of family is the picture that the Lord uses to describe his relationship with his people. He is our father and we are his children. He is the bridegroom and we are the bride. God uses that image of family to talk about what an important thing it is he created. Is it any wonder then that these days it seems as though it is the family that is under attack in the society around us. It seems as though families are being challenged in every direction. Who we are, what we stand for, what we believe, how we're bound together. What is a family anyway, and how do you compose your family? Our culture seems to challenge us at every corner. It talks about whether the uh, marriage is valuable or not. Entertainment almost never portrays families in a positive light. Lately, we hear voices that declare parents don't have any rights to be the primary decision makers in their children's actions and values. There are other institutions that need to decide what's going to go on with your kids. Is there anything the Christian church needs to do more today than to affirm and support the value of husbands and wives, parents and children, and the ultimate plan of God? And if there's anything we are called on to do these days, we are called on to pray for our families, pray for our homes, because prayer is one of the most important things you can do for the people you love. While you may not always be able to touch them physically, you can touch them as you pray. While you may not be able to challenge them right in, with your presence, you can challenge them as you lift them up to the Lord. Prayer is the most important thing you can do for them. We dare not neglect it. And that's why over the next few weeks, I'm going to begin preaching some messages about what the Bible says about praying for your family and lifting them up. This morning, I want to begin with some basic principles from the Bible about how God wants you to pray for your family. And to lay that foundation, I want to challenge you to journey with me to that place that we were at together a few moments ago as we were reading Scripture. The book of Genesis, the 15th chapter, the life of Abraham, the father of our faith. The passage we read together took place at a critical time in Abraham's life. Many years before that, God had called him out and said, I want to lead you to that place I have in mind for your people. And he had traveled great distances, and he had done so many things, and he had been faithful to the Lord, and he had seen God's hand at work in his life so many ways. 
But for all that God had done, there was still a huge hole in Abram's heart. You see, in spite of following the Lord and trusting the Lord and walking with the Lord, Abraham and his wife Sarah had no children. There was no heir to carry on his name. And in the passage we read together in Genesis chapter 15, Abraham confronts the Lord. He wants him to know, I am disappointed. He wants him to understand, you have let me down. I don't understand what you're doing. I have followed you everywhere you told me to go. I've done everything you told me to do. And yet here I am at the end and it feels as though nothing has happened in my life. And in that encounter, God begins to talk to Abraham and he gives him four principles for praying for your family that are principles you can use and I can use today. So let's see what God has to say for us. We are to pray for our families. And first the Bible says this. It says you pray for them because God has a plan for your family. The Lord listened as Abraham poured out his heart as he complained. I have no children. My nephew will be my heir. Nothing I've ever done really matters because when I die, I die. And there will be nobody left to carry on my name. And God listened as Abraham poured out his heart. And then he did something entirely unexpected. Rather than explaining himself or describing to Abraham what he had in mind, this is what he said. He said, Abraham, come outside with me. And Abraham walked out of the tent, and as the flap fell behind him, as he was there in the midst of the desert, suddenly it felt as though it were totally dark. Even the light from the flickering lamp inside was gone, and all of a sudden Abraham found out that there was nothing but darkness. And then the Lord told him, now you look up. And Abraham lifted his head and the sky came alive as he gazed into the heavens. We can't really comprehend what Abraham saw that night. Because after all, we live in a world where it's never really dark, is it? I mean, yeah, it's nighttime, but there's street lights outside. And there's the lights of the city and the lights in your house. And we don't really understand absolute, total darkness. Unless perhaps you've been on a camping trip somewhere where you were far away from civilization. I remember Judith and I went on a trip a few years back and it was the middle of the winter and we were staying in a little cabin and in the midst of this, uh, this area and we decided to get out and walk one night. Boy, it was dark that night and we were having a good time and we were walking along and then I looked at her and I said, you know, I wonder if there are bears in these woods. <laughs> and then we went back to the cabin. <laughs> Abraham stood in the midst of the, of the darkness and he looked up into the sky and he saw the heavens and all of those stars. And then the Lord said to him this, now count the stars. It was impossible. They were everywhere. They filled the sky from horizon to horizon. 
There were just too many. The Lord wanted Abraham to understand something beyond the shadow of a doubt. Abraham, you are in the presence of the Creator. Everything you see came from my hand. Every star in the universe had a single source, the almighty hand of God. Not only had the Lord made all of them, he had also made each of them. Every one of them specifically chosen to be part of the heavens that we take for granted. Each one of them had been given a place just where the Lord decided it should be. And Abraham realized, I'm in the presence of the maker of heaven and earth. It's overwhelming. But God wasn't finished yet. His voice spoke powerfully into Abraham's heart. He said, so shall your descendants be. You've been complaining. I have no child. I have no heir. My life is useless. I want you to understand something. I have a huge plan for you. For your family. Abraham had asked for just one. God was promising him a nation. His descendants would be as numerous as the stars. Every one of them would be a unique creation of God. God wants you to understand that his promise to Abraham is a promise to you as well. Let me share something you need to understand beyond the shadow of a doubt. We are intentionally made, every one of us, a unique creation of God. Not only that, but God has a plan for each and every one of us. Look around yourself this morning. What do you see? I see friends, I see neighbors, I see people I've known for many years. I've not seen folks I worship with. No, you look around yourself and you know what you see? Eternal creations of God. Intentionally made by the Lord himself. If you don't hear anything else I say this morning, hear this. Nobody is randomly born. We are each created. There's no such thing as looking at anybody you're going to pass on the street this week or stand in line at the grocery store with and look at them and you just think, okay, there's an accidental clump of cells that came together and when they did, they just kind of turned out to be a human being. No. We are creations of God. And when you look at each person, you recognize, and every one of us is precious in his sight. God didn't just make us and walk away. He created us, and he cares what happens.
presence. And when you look into the faces of your family, whether it's your wife or your husband or your child or your grandchild, you see God's special creation. And they have purpose. And they have potential. But this is what you need to know. And for that purpose to be fulfilled, each one of them needs to have a, an opportunity to know and follow Jesus. We talk about wanting to live a rich and fulfilling life. And I just tell you this. There is no such thing as a fulfilled life that does not know Jesus Christ. Because that's the purpose for which you were born. You were born to know him and to follow him and to live out his plan for your life. And every one of you is absolutely precious in his sight. That's one of the reasons God calls you to pray for your family. You pray for your family to find and follow God's special personal plan for their lives. Why should I pray for my family? Because my family, those individuals that I love and know that are a part of my home, those people are God's special creation. And they are who they are and they are where they are because God has a plan for them and he has a plan for me. And, my, and part of his plan for me is I am going to lift them up and I'm going to pray for them that they will become everything God made them to be. Because you see, you pray for your family because your family is a gift from the Lord's hand. God kept the promise he made to Abraham that night. In due time, Abraham and Sarah would welcome their son Isaac. The baby would not be born until Abraham was 100 years old and Sarah was 90. So here's my question. Why did he wait so long? Why did God wait to keep his promise? And the answer is simply this. The Lord wanted to make sure that every time Abraham looked at his son, he would know beyond the shadow of doubt, Isaac was a gift from God. There's no other explanation. God gave me my son. The same thing is true in, of every baby born in this world. Just a few weeks ago, our new granddaughter, Carly Jo, was born. And we went to see her the day after she was born. And you know, I looked at that little baby child and thought, there's nothing like this girl in all the world. There's nothing that's ever been like her before. And you know what? That's true because it's true of every child ever born. Children can be different in so many ways. Different hair, different eyes, different hands, different names, different families. But they all have one thing in common. Every child is a creation of God placed in a home where God's plan is that parents treat them as a gift from God. Every child is placed with parents who are given a huge responsibility. Raise this child up and you love this child, and you encourage this child, and you let this child know it is special, and you lead this child toward the Savior. Our children are a gift. That's not just true of children. Just as precious as your children is the person God has led to become your husband or your wife. 
The Lord draws a man and a woman to one another, and when the Lord is in it, there's nothing that compares to the relationship between a husband and a wife. It is the most important relationship of your life. In fact, one of the things that, that Gary Smalley taught me that I've always remembered is this. There's nothing you can do to make your children feel more secure in this world than to let them know your spouse is the person you love more than anybody in the world. That's why back when my kids were growing up, when they would get into conflict with Judith so many times, I would say to them, you're not going to talk to my wife that way. Not your mother, my wife. God's given you somebody special when you have a spouse. Within a marriage is the place God has given you of, to be that place of comfort and security and true intimacy. Marriage as God intended it is to be the safest place on earth. That's why I don't want you to miss a special dimension of Abraham's story. Not just that he was a hundred and Sarah was ninety when their son was born. It is incredible to think about this. And when Isaac came, he was born and raised by a couple who had been committed to one another for a lifetime. He was born into a strong home filled with marital love. What a blessing it is to to share life together. And as years go by, those words that you once said to one another, for better, for worse, for richer, for, for poorer, till death do us part, those grow richer and stronger. The key to that kind of relationship comes when you realize your wife, your husband, is a gift from God to you. And because that's true, you treasure them. And when you pray for your family, you begin praying with gratitude and you commit yourself daily to asking him to reveal his best for their lives. You recognize nothing God has given me is as important as the family that I love. So I'll pray for them. And then the Bible tells us this. And you pray because your home is a stewardship. When God places one of his most treasured possessions in your home, he also trusts you with a great responsibility. You are to make your home the place he wants it to be, filled with love and encouragement and direction and correction and guidance and faith. It's simple sometimes to listen to a message like that and to say, well, that all sounds good and, and I think it would be good, but you don't understand the kinds of circumstances. You don't understand the circumstances I was raised in. You don't understand the circumstances I've lived in. You don't understand how things can go wrong. And yes, I do. But I also understand this. God's given us a responsibility. Make your home what it's supposed to be make your home that place where Christ is honored you see the Lord doesn't just encourage us to make our homes Christian homes he commands us to do that 
It's our job. We are to invest ourselves in the people God has given us to love. We're to give. We're to serve. We're to sacrifice. We're to do whatever we have to to empower them to grow in godliness. Understand this. Your family is a stewardship. Don't forget what that means. That means it doesn't belong to you. It has been entrusted to you. And you are to return it to God with interest. So in the meantime, as you steward your home, you are to invest everything you have into making that house the place God wants it to be. And if you take that responsibility seriously, your influence will grow like throwing a stone into a pond. You'll see the ripples of your influence extend and go further and further beyond your reach and to continue for years and generations yet to come. That's what God was saying to Abraham. God was saying to Abraham, you don't have any idea what's going to happen because I kept my promise to you. But I'm going to tell you, for years and generations and centuries and eons yet to come, I will bless your family. There's literally nothing you can do that will make more of a difference than dedicating yourself to be a steward of the people you love the most. And just like Abraham, you'll have an unbelievable legacy. And that's why there's nothing greater you can do than to pray for God to help you bless your family. One of the things we need to remember as we begin this journey over the next few weeks together is this. You can't do it in your own strength. You can't love the way you need to on your own. What am I saying? I'm saying this. We need the Lord Jesus Christ in our homes. But before that, we need him in our lives. Each one of us individually, personally, committed to the Lordship of Jesus. Lord, I want to pray for my home. I want to bless my home. I want to see my home become everything you want it to be. So before anything else, I want to make sure my personal relationship with Christ is exactly what it ought to be. Maybe you're here this morning and you're not a believer. Oh, you believe about Jesus, but you've never believed in Jesus. You've never trusted him as your personal savior. You've never invited him to come into your life and to be there with you for all of eternity. You've never asked him to be your savior so that you can bless your home in his name. Maybe today you need to give your life to Christ for the very first time. Or maybe you're here today and you're recognizing if I'm going to bless my home, then that means that there are things the Lord wants me to do in my life as a believer. Maybe somebody's here and you need to just dedicate yourself anew to a godly home. Maybe you're recognizing Part of what God wants me to do is to plant my family in this place. I need to become a member of this church. Whether my home is a home of one person or two people or four people or six people. Maybe today's the day you need to come and plant your life 
and your membership here at First Baptist. Is there a decision you need to make? We're going to stand. We're going to sing our invitation hymn. As God speaks to you, I'll be here to greet you. You come. Let's stand together. Let's sing. invite you to be seated again just for a moment. Joel and Sandra, come and join me up here. If you haven't had a chance to meet them yet, this is Joel and Sandra Barnett who come this morning to become part of our fellowship, bringing their letter from a sister Baptist church here in town and ready to serve the Lord through First Baptist Church. Had a good chance to visit together this past week. We had a great talk. I've known these folks for a long time because when I was pastor in Aliceville, I was pastor of Joel's sister and her husband and nephew, what, their son, yeah. your nephew. And yeah, all of this. What did I say? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I was in Aliceville once, but that, Haleyville was where I knew Charlie and Sylvia. And they come, and as they were coming to join this morning, I thought, that's what I've been preaching about, because they came walking down the aisle holding hands, and Joel had his Bible at his side, and I thought, that's what I've been trying to say for the last 30 minutes. And they come now because they want to be part of our fellowship, her First Baptist. And if you want to welcome them to First Baptist and let them know how glad you are that they're going to be part of our fellowship, 
You say amen. amen. And that's welcome, welcome. We're so glad y'all are going to be part of our fellowship. and We welcome you. We're just so glad y'all are here. Look forward to what God's going to do through them to bless our church and through our church to bless them. And in just a moment, we're going to have them be out in the lobby where you can come by and greet them and uh, introduce yourself and get to know them. And uh, we look forward to a wonderful time together. So, Judith, if you will, help them find their way out to the front. And we can stand together again. Let me remind you again, we won't have any activities here at the church tonight because they're going to be putting everything together and getting it ready for the music camp this coming week. But I, I know Jeff invited you. If you want to be here at 2 o'clock, you, you can come early and go to work. that's exciting it's been good to be in God's house so glad for the way the Lord's moved in our midst let's bow together now for a final prayer and then one last song as we go Father we do thank you Father for bringing Joel and Sandra to be part of our church fellowship we pray Lord that you bless them and use them and Lord that we might bless them and they might bless us and Father we do thank you for the homes that are represented in this congregation some homes of one, some of two, some of four and six. Father, we thank you that you put us in our homes so that we might be a blessing and be blessed. Help us, Lord, to lift up and pray for those that you have planted in our home. And we thank you, Lord, that we're a church family and together we pray for one another. Bless us as we go from this place. Lord, bless us this coming week as we enjoy our children's music camp. Let it be a special blessing to everyone involved. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.